0: Mediatrix Radio presents Pathways to Rome, a weekly hour-long journey that brings Rome home for you. Father Jeffrey Kirby, along with Gus Killo and Kathy Kerfoot, take us on an audio tour of the Vatican where every work of art, building, and liturgical event is a unique expression of Christianity. The center of the Catholic faith teaches while it inspires, but there's a lot to learn. So let's join our tour guides for this week's apologetic adventure.
1: Welcome to today's show, Pathways to Rome, the show that brings Rome home to you. And in today's show, we're going to talk about Pope Benedict XVI's sermon before First Vespers, beginning the Advent season. In his sermon marking the beginning of Advent, the Pope encourages us to spend some time in silent presence with the Lord. And so today, I'm joined by Gus here in the studio and with Father in Rome, and we're going to talk about the Pope's sermon regarding the season of Advent. Father, were you there at First Vespers?
2: I was actually. It was a beautiful ceremony uh, in the center of St. Peter's Square. They actually have begun construction of the Nativity scene. It normally takes several months, and the Nativity scene is not unveiled until Christmas Eve, but the work has to continue. So, literally, as we were standing in line circling the Square of St. Peter's, we were there watching this construction of the future Nativity scene. So, even in the Square itself, there was this kind of sense of advent, of true advent. And, of course, waiting to get into the Basilica through security and then to our seats and entering into the Basilica, and then, of course, waiting for the entrance of the Holy Father to begin uh, this Advent season with these first Vespers. So it was a great ceremony. The Basilica was full, and the Holy Father seemed animated. He gave a a very stirring homily. The chant of the Psalms was just beautiful, and just really set the tone. Of course, Advent is marked by this uh, somber waiting, and, and the music itself has that kind of spirit. And uh, the Vespers lasted about 55 minutes, which is actually really quick for uh, a papal liturgy. But uh, but it was beautiful. It got to the point, and then it sent us out, sent the whole church out, uh, now in the midst of this Advent season.
1: And the Pope talked about Advent coming from the term Adventus, and, and he talked about how to the early Christians it meant that God is here, that He is among us, that He hasn't left us. And then he went on to say a different definition or an additional definition would be that it was like a visit from God. Well, I guess for me, that visit from God, not only is he visiting all his people, but each of us individually, especially at this time, and then what we need to do to prepare for that visit. So that was a lot of meditation for me when I was getting ready for today's show, is how am I going to prepare for that visit not only with the preparations for Christmas, as far as my family, but preparations for my heart to receive Jesus. So I really liked how he said to prepare for a visit from God.
2: Absolutely, and I think that what was unique about the the Holy Father's homily was that in defining Adventus, he, you know, oftentimes we say, okay, Adventus obviously Advent, and it means coming or arrival, but the Holy Father went on to say, well. There's actually another definition, another translation of this word, which is presence. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And he stressed that role of presence, which kind of what you're speaking of, Kathy, this, this visit, which the Holy Father then went on to explain that there's a visit, that Advent is also about the presence of God, that God is with us as we anticipate the coming of God. And this is just one of those powerful mysteries that God is both with us, even as we anticipate his arrival. Mm -hmm. Uh, St. Augustine would describe it as, not only is God the destination, but God is actually the way to the destination. So this beautiful understanding of the reality of God's presence among us, and the fact that the Holy Father would put it in the context of a visit, the visit of a friend, the visit of a king, the visit of God. I thought was very interesting I was after introducing the concept of visit, the Holy Father went on, and, and, and I thought in just a very pastoral way, the Holy Father says, we end by being absorbed in doing. Society with its multiple interests monopolizes our attention. Is it not true that we devote a lot of time to entertainment and to various kinds of amusement? At times we get carried away. Advent, this powerful liturgical season that we are beginning, invites us to pause in silence. To understand a presence. It is an invitation to understand that the individual events of the day are hints that God is giving us, signs of the attention he has for each one of us. How often does God give us a glimpse of this love? Isn't that powerful? Gus, what do you think when you hear the Holy Father speak about Advent being this time for a pause Mm -hmm. to understand that God is with us?
3: I like that because, yes, I agree that we are a society of doers, and we're always doing, and we've got our gadgets and TV and all that. i got my gadget right here. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy's laughing. But we're, we're always doing, and I was pondering uh, something somewhat uh, related to this when I was reading Monsignor uh, Ronald Knox talking about Catholics, instead of contributing to Mass, they're getting something out of it. A lot of people say, I get nothing out of the Mass, but in the Mass, God is the one who is doing, and we have to learn to be still and know that I am God, as it says in uh, somewhere in the Old Testament.
1: It's a psalm. It's
3: a psalm. There. And,
1: <laughs> and I think that's where the Pope was coming from, be still and know that I am God. And just even meditating on that, I did this with a group of friends and we did a meditation and then what you did each time was take away a word and then mm-hmm. just be, and be in His presence. And that, I think that's what He's calling us to do, get away from all of the distractions, from all of the hoopla and the sales and the parties, and, and come and be with Him and be in presence with it, Him.
3: Being still for Americans or our society is very difficult. I remember Father Maury, when he was here in the upstate, he always used to joke and say, uh, listen, Lord, for your servant is speaking, <laughs> You know, instead of speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I think the Holy Father is telling us this is a time to really focus on God and let Him do the talking. You were talking about Advent being presence, Father, and one of the lines in the sermon is, if time is not filled by a present gifted with meaning, the waiting runs the risk of becoming unbearable. So in other words, our present moment has to have meaning. And think of so many people, they don't have meaning. So they fill it with noise, and they go off chasing things. And and what does St. Augustine say? Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So I think that the spirit of Advent is not only expectation of a king, but both the the present and the expectation are, are kind of united in this season.
2: Isn't it so oftentimes the case that we have these wonderful opportunities, these signs of really expressing presence and love and our appreciation. You know, the fact that we exchange gifts at Christmas, the fact that we send Christmas cards, the fact that we sing carols, the fact that we decorate our homes, all of these are wonderful, beautiful, powerful things that we do. But this particular homily in the Advent season kind of reminds us first things first. Mm-hmm. And similar to what you are saying, Gus, and the Holy Father was preaching about time, similar with all of these expressions that if they're not grounded in God, in the hope that we receive from his presence, then these just become superficial and empty. Yeah. And so exactly what is supposed to give richness actually become causes for us to become empty without that meaning.
1: And, of course, because we place our hope in all the wrong things. You know, we're not placing our hope in him. We're placing our hope in the future and the job market and the securities market and all those things. The Pope did go on to say that some of those supports out there, they're no longer there to support you. So if you had put your hope in the wrong things, you find later in life that, that you missed out on putting your hope where it really needed to be.
2: Really thought-provoking and call to conversion that this sermon was that the Holy Father gave. The part that, that kind of stood out for me personally is when the Holy Father said, in this manner, Christian Advent becomes an opportunity to awaken within ourselves the true meaning of waiting returning mm-hmm. to the heart of our faith, which is the mystery of Christ, the Messiah who was, was expected for long centuries and was born in poverty in Bethlehem. But just that first part, Advent becomes an opportunity to reawaken within ourselves the true meaning of waiting. And we just don't wait well. Mm. I don't know. No, we don't.
3: <laughs> well, it's, it's ironic. I, I reflected on that yesterday as I was rushing up to Asheville to to visit my parents and I was with my wife and she was saying how very impatient I was because we had to get there on on time and I just realized I cannot wait. I'm not gonna do well. If God is merciful enough that I make it to purgatory, I will not do well there (laughs) I want it now. And and that's unfortunately I think uh, what happens when we become a consumerist society. You know, we want everything now. We want everything on credit. Back in my parents' day, you put things on layaway and you waited and you can really see that God really wants us to put the brakes on and, uh, and that was a metaphor yesterday of how my life is, of just rushing to get up there because I was going to be 15 minutes late if I didn't. And I just realized how silly that was. Life is is so hectic that I'll, I'll say for myself personally, the, the best moment of the week is when I get to go and make a holy hour in front of our Lord. I would encourage everybody listening, if your church has a 24-hour exposition, that is wonderful. We have that at Prince of Peace. But just go and sit in the presence of the Lord and say some things to Him, but just listen. You won't hear with your ears, obviously, but be still and know that I'm God.
1: And that's what I had to do, really, to go prepare for the show. I go and sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament because if I'm at home, I have the distractions of the phone or the TV's there or the laundry needs to be folded or, oh, I forgot to put out something for dinner. I can't concentrate on the Lord Even in my own house, I find it very difficult. So for me, I have to run up to church and sit in front of the Lord and and have that quietness, you know, and that peace surrounding me. And that's what I had to do, really, to go prepare for the show. I couldn't help but think about Mary and the Annunciation. And when I was meditating on that, I was thinking that her Advent was nine months of expectant waiting. And that was her visit from God. She had God with her growing inside of her, and then what did she do? She went to her cousin Elizabeth, who by the Holy Spirit was prompted to know and to experience a visit by God too, when she says, how can it be that the mother of my Lord should come to me? All of that stuff just came to me as I was meditating on that, and the way that Mary prepared the nine months her humble quietness as she prepared for the coming of her Lord through her, and the hope and the trust that she placed in God, her expectation and her waiting, she just internalized all of this joy. And that's what the Pope asked us to do, is to wait in the presence of the Lord joyfully.
2: And I can certainly understand how some of our listeners might be tuning in and really kind of just listening to what we're saying and, and asking themselves, you know, like, You're saying slow down, you're saying pray. For so many people, you know, this is almost just an unheard of challenge, the idea of doing these things. But i say what's beautiful in this particular homily that the Holy Father gave for first Vespers of the Advent season, the Holy Father himself, he talks about how God speaks to us, and he describes various ways in which the Lord seeks to speak to each of us. But then he says, we in turn may speak to him, presenting to him the suffering that afflicts us, our impatience, the questions that well up in our hearts. And I tell you, I was a little consoled when I read that, because here's the Holy Father telling each of us, to our listeners, to ourselves, that in the midst of this attempt to slow down, in the midst of this attempt to relearn what it means to wait, the Holy Father says, give your impatience to the Lord. That's the first step. If someone is sitting out listening to us and saying, what do I do? How do I do this? First thing, give your impatience to the Lord. That's the first thing we can do. And once we do that, like us, you were talking about, you know, taking the driver, you know, I've seen some really vicious attacks in bank lines. It's amazing, you know. <laughs> uh, we're such an impatient society, each of us, you know. And the Holy Father says, give that to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that can be the first step. And then just trying to sit there. And, and for some people, that could be just five minutes. It could start with just five minutes, mm-hmm. whether it's in the morning, the afternoon, the evening, whether it's in their home, at church, whether it's in a blessed sacrament chapel, whether it's outside of nature, just five minutes of being quiet and giving our impatience to the Lord as a first step. That could be the beginning. And I really think that the Holy Father is calling each of us in the church and calling the church universal to really experience and enter this Advent preparation. As I ponder that, I'm thinking, wow, our
3: Lord would accept a gift of Something, Your impatience. My impatience, <laughs> yeah, something that I could give that. I mean, I, I can't give a whole lot else. You know, what else do we have but our but our sins and our, our defects? And, and yet, yes, I know if we can give that to the Lord, he can transform it. Father, on December 8th, we celebrate the Immaculate Conception right in the middle of Advent. Can you kind of explain the connection between the Immaculate Conception and Advent?
2: Yeah, and there is actually a really beautiful connection, which I think oftentimes is missed because people just kind of see the Immaculate Conception as this kind of pause to Advent. And so they're like, okay, well, we're doing Advent, and no, okay, stop, we we'll do the Immaculate Conception. Okay, now we start again. And they're kind of missing. And of course, we you know the Immaculate Conception is the celebration in the Church when Mary was conceived without sin. There are a lot of Catholics and non-Catholics who think that the Immaculate Conception is actually Jesus' conception. But no, this is when Mary was conceived without sin, when her body was prepared to be the Ark of the New Covenant without sin so she could carry God.
1: I just taught Mm -hmm. that to the high schoolers last week. There's a couple other places in the Bible where it's implied, but it really hit with the Ark of the Covenant.
2: Absolutely, and I think that of all the titles of Our Lady, It was precisely the Ark of the Covenant that was the most favored by the Fathers in the Mm. early Church. Mm. And the second, very close runner-up, was the New Eve. That this woman from Nazareth, Mary of Nazareth, was both Ark of the Covenant and the New Eve. And we can see this connection with these feast days, these celebrations, with the Advent season, that here Our Lady is conceived without sin for a mission, a mission from God. And it is precisely that understanding of mission, which is found in waiting, That can so help to deepen our celebration of Advent. So the fact that Our Lady didn't have all the answers, the fact that she didn't have all the specifics and the details, and yet she was willing to just trust in God, Jesus would later say of her, how blessed are they who hear the Word of God and believe it. And here we see this incredible faith, and that's the faith that we're called to deepen during the Advent season. So rather than the Immaculate Conception taking away or being a pause to the Advent season, I think that the Immaculate Conception within the Advent season is showing us, here is the example. This is how this looks in regular life. Here is this virgin from Nazareth who heard the Word of God, believed it, and gave everything, every ounce of trust to this Word. And that's exactly what Advent is supposed to prepare in our heart. The fact that Jesus comes to us every day in the sacraments in prayer and in His Word, and the fact that Jesus will come again, that there will be a time when time ends and the kingdom of God comes to earth, that Jesus returns. And I think that we see that all beautifully played out in the life of Our Lady. So the Immaculate Conception is huge. i tell you, here in Rome, putting a piece of the Immaculate Conception, the Holy Father drives from the Vatican, or is driven, I should say, from the Vatican to the Spanish Steps. And there's a very famous pillar in the Spanish Steps called the Immaculate Conception Pillar. And on that pillar, he places a wreath. And he leads the faithful in prayer. And that is a tradition that goes all the way back to Pope Pius IX, when he declared the dogma, the special teaching. And from that point on, every pope on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, December 8th, goes to the Spanish Steps to that column in order to place flowers in honor of Our Lady. And Pope Benedict will continue that tradition and visit the Spanish Steps. And everybody comes, and while he's there, people start to sing songs, and they throw flowers. And it's just this explosion of faith right in the middle of the Spanish Steps. So I think the Immaculate Conception is a real key to understanding the Advent season.
1: That sounds like a beautiful tradition, Father. Are there any other Advent or Christmas artworks that are going up in Rome right now? I know you said that the crutch was being built and being prepared
2: it is, and actually, they they've put up the Christmas tree, and, and I know that's a big touchy and sensitive subject. It's a little that's early put up the Christmas tree. It is, it is, and, and I know in the United States, uh, many people Thanksgiving they they put up the tree, and others, you know, following more of the German tradition, that the tree doesn't go up till Christmas Eve. And I think that in a universal church, we have so many specific traditions, and many of them are born from our theology, from our teaching. But here in Rome, the the Christmas tree is up. Now it will not be decorated until December 17th, which is the beginning of the O Antiphon, of these special prayers on on the part of the church leading up to Christmas. So it's not decorated, but the tree is up. Gotta tell you, if you look at any pictures of St. Peter's Basilica right now, the tree is up.
3: What about secular Rome? Uh, Do they deck it out the way we do here in in, uh, the United States?
2: Oh, they certainly do. In fact, the entire Piazza Navona, which is one of the major squares of the city, a real public area for gatherings and artists and so on, it is just full of booths and little shops that have been set up, selling everything imaginable, gifts, toys, everything you can imagine. And they've got the music and and so on, and, and it's just great. And also, this is great, only in Rome, they have actually created an ice rink in the middle of one of the squares. No way. I mean, it's almost like New York, you know? <laughs> and obviously it's completely fabricated. They, they've had to like chill this thing and they've got <laughs> special wiring and hookups and so on, you know? And uh, and it's so funny to walk by and see little Roman children skate on ice, you know? And, and this is something that they've only ever seen on TV. I mean, Rome, Rome never even gets snow, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. And yet here now you can, you can see an ice rink. So, secular Rome is, is definitely celebrating uh, the holiday and getting ready for it. I'd like to think, as I also hope in our own country, that all of these are expressions of the joy and the hope that is ours, that we are called to prepare to receive in more abundance uh, during this Advent season, you know. But I'm curious, at home, are all the decorations up, or mm-hmm. are the stores just bursting with Christmas things? I
1: think they were putting out their Christmas things the day after Halloween. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I
3: heard Christmas music on the radio, I don't know, three, three plus weeks ago, and I, and I gasped in astonishment, and someone said, yeah, it's a week earlier than it was last year, so secular America is definitely in full swing.
2: What do you think that does to the true spirit of Christmas, to the celebration of the birth of Christ, the fact that it's being done so early?
3: I mean, I think it's weird if it comes before Thanksgiving. I mean, for Americans, Thanksgiving's a major holiday, and it just, it it really seemed wrong that it kind of started before Thanksgiving.
1: It takes away from Thanksgiving. It takes away from that peace and quiet and family time.
2: I think one tragic consequence, too, is the fact that it's being done so early that December 26th, a lot of times those Christmas trees and decorations Uh are on the curb of streets and being boxed back up. And the fact that people don't realize that december 25th is just the first of 12 right
1: that's correct
3: and people don't realize yeah the christmas season has has just begun you know advent is over christmas has begun and, and now we're celebrating the birth of christ you're right i lived in germany and i do remember the germans putting up their trees with real candles you know on christmas eve and it was such a beautiful tradition And yes, they kept their trees up throughout the Christmas season.
1: Until Epiphany, correct?
2: Exactly, and that's the traditional day. And and some would say Baptism of the Lord, which is the following Sunday, but traditionally it's Epiphany. And here in Rome, actually, after the Epiphany, they take down all the Christmas decorations, but they keep the Christ child in the church until February 2nd, Hmm. which is the presentation of the Lord 40 days after his birth. So all the nativity scene and the Christmas decorations and the trees are all taken down, but the Christ child is still present until February 2nd. So they even are pushing the season even that far, which is beautiful in light of our liturgical celebrations, the fact that what we believe and what we celebrate as Catholics, here are these Mediterranean customs, Catholic customs uh, throughout the church that are offered to us. I hey, you know, this can be a way that we show... On what we believe. And I think that's the important thing, that everything we do in this season with all our different cultures and so on, mm-hmm. that everything we do, that we just keep the right focus.
3: Okay, we're getting to the end of our first segment on Pathways to Rome. We've been talking with Father Jeff Kirby, talking about Advent and the Pope's uh, sermon that he gave. And if you'd like to learn more, please go visit Father Kirby's blog. And Father, can you give us the information on your blog again?
2: Yep, it's uh, www.jeffrey, It's J E F F R E Y. Kirby K-I-R-B-Y.com. So www.jeffrey-kirby.com. Thank you, Father. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Pathways to Rome, starring Father Jeffrey Kirby, along with Kathy Kerfoot and Gus Killo. Pathways to Rome is a mediatrix radio production and can be heard weekly at this time. If you would like to listen to this show again, our previous broadcast of Pathways to Rome, visit our website www.catholicradioinsc.com. That's catholicradioinsc.com. Pathways to Rome was made possible by donations from Dr. Larry and Iris Minetti, Jim and Jan Carino, Donald and Marilyn Reichert, an anonymous sponsor of Catholic Radio, and contributions from Mediatrix Radio listeners. To learn more about Pathways to Rome, or to listen to this or other episodes, Mediatrix Radio's website is www.catholicradioinsc.com. Put the power of video to work for you. Whether it's a short marketing presentation or an hour-long training video, turn to the Emmy Award-winning experts at Extreme Vision Studios. Present your message clearly and concisely. Video allows you to produce your image and gives you a professional look that shines. Call Extreme Vision Studios today for a free consultation. The number is 864-590-9970. That number again is 864-590-9970. Extreme Vision Studios, proud sponsor of South Carolina Catholic Radio. Polydeck Screen Corporation, a proud sponsor of Catholic radio, was founded in Spartanburg in 1978 to manufacture and market modular synthetic screen media in North America. Serving the gold, copper, phosphate, and aggregate industries, Polydeck strives to honor God in all they do. Their phone number is 864 579 4594. They're also on the web at www.polydeckscreen.com. St. Anthony's Catholic Store, a proud sponsor of Catholic Radio, offers books on apologetics, spirituality, theology, and church history to assist adults and children in their faith formation. They also provide sacred vessels, vestments, and hand-carved statuary to parishes and maintain an inventory of baptismal, communion, confirmation, and wedding gifts. For more information about this family-owned business located at 443C Congaree Road near Haywood Mall, John or Judy can be reached at 864-288-0335. Thomas McAfee Funeral Home, a proud sponsor of Catholic Radio, has been serving the community since 1913, offering personalized funeral and cremation services they're committed to serving you and your family with dignity and respect. This family-owned business can be reached at their downtown chapel at 232-6733, or their northwest chapel at 294-6415, and they're on the web at www.thomasmcafee.com. AKJ Consulting, a proud sponsor of Catholic Radio, in cooperation with New Way Properties, utilizes years of experience to assist people in finding and acquiring affordable housing in the upstate. They also have a program to assist those in danger of going into foreclosure. For more information, David Case can be reached at 864-430-4877. That's 864-430-4877. There's a new way to get rid of an old car, truck, or gas guzzler. No matter what condition it is in, Catholic Charities will pick it up at home, office, or repair shop, and handle all of the paperwork. Catholic Charities is a 501c3 not-for-profit entity associated with the Diocese of Charleston. For more information, Catholic Charities can be reached at 877-885-4483. That's 877-885-GIVE. Or reach them on the web at www.supportcatholiccharities.org. Priest for Life organizes a monthly rosary led by a priest or deacon of the Diocese of Charleston every third Saturday in each month. Members from local parishes gather to pray the rosary from 8 to 9 a.m. at the West Ashley Abortion Facility, located at 1312 Ashley River Road. That's at the corner of Highway 61 and Fusler in Charleston. For further information, Stephen Boyle can be reached at 843-763-0681.
2: In these challenging economic times,
3: our taxes are probably going up. In Matthew 22, Jesus says to pay to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So is it enough to be resigned and pay our taxes while giving our hearts to God? The real question is, how can we give to Caesar in such a way that transforms society for the good of the kingdom? What can we do with our resources and the taxes we pay to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and serve the least of our brothers that Jesus talks about in Matthew 25? Since, after all, it's not our money. I'm Joe Galloway.
0: Pathways to Rome was made possible by donations from Dr. Larry and Iris Minetti, Jim and Jan Carino, Donald and Marilyn Reichert, an anonymous sponsor of Catholic Radio, and contributions from Mediatrics Radio listeners. To learn more about Pathways to Rome, or to listen to this or other episodes, Mediatrics Radio's website is www.catholicradionsc.com. And now we return to Pathways to Rome, starring Father Jeffrey Kirby, with Kathy Kerfoot and Gus Killo.
3: Welcome back to Pathways to Rome. We've been talking with Father Jeff Kirby in Rome about Advent. I have Kathy Kerfoot in the studio and I'm Gus Killo. And uh, Father, why don't we talk in this segment here about the anatomy of Advent. Can you break it up for us and explain the different shifts in Advent? That's a good
2: question, Gus, because, uh, of course, I think, the, first of all, this the season of Advent is such a shock to most people. Uh, most people, when they start to really look at Advent, they're kind of surprised because most of the time, December, late November, December, tend to be kind of just raw Christmas preparation. And so when they begin to look at Advent, first it's kind of just a retrieval of the season itself. But then as you're saying, there's really an anatomy, there's there's some really beautiful teaching that the Church is giving through this season. So we speak about these two shifts of Advent. The beginning of Advent, the first two weeks, the Church has taken us to the end of time. So the first day of the liturgical year, because Advent begins our year of liturgical celebrations. The first day of the liturgical year, the church is reminding us of the last day of time. And so the scripture readings that are chosen, the preaching that is given, the church directs us the first and second Sunday of Advent to the fact that Jesus is coming, that the Lord is going to return one day in glory. He tells us before he left, the Lord said, I'm coming back. And we dwell in hope as Christian believers that the Lord is coming back. Now, the early church actually expected him to come in their lifetime. It's one of the reasons why the scriptures were written so late, because they expected the Lord to return immediately. And we are also called to have that same hope. The Lord could return tomorrow. He could return in 10 years. He could return in 100 or 1,000 years. And those first two weeks of Advent remind us of that truth. He is coming back. And we are reminded be ready, make yourself fit for the kingdom that he's going to bring. So that's that whole first part of Advent. The third season of Advent, which is even marked in the Advent wreath by a rose candle, the third and fourth week of Advent is when we recall the historical coming of God, the fact that God became a man at Bethlehem, that he lived among us, that we recall the Christmas story. And so it's the third and fourth Sunday of Advent when we begin to hear about the Annunciation about Our Lady, about Her Charity to Elizabeth, about Zachariah and John the Baptist, we begin to recall the traditional Christmas story that we're all familiar with. And those are the two main parts of Advent that the Church is seeking to give us on these first four weeks of our liturgical year, at the beginning of our celebration of the life of the Lord Jesus. And, Pastor Cathy, have you heard this before? I'm curious to get your thoughts or how this kind of resonates with your experience.
1: I've never really noticed it before, Father, and to tell you the truth, I was very surprised at the readings last Sunday that they were talking about, you know, be ready, not necessarily wasn't, don't know, the hour of the day, but that was the the whole gist of it, that the Lord is coming back and be prepared.
3: Well, and you know, the thing that leapt out at me in that reading was Christ says, when these things happen, look up for your salvation is at hand, and so I'm like, Yes, I mean, it can scare the dickens out of you thinking uh, the world's going to end. But he's saying, this is it. You know, salvation history is going to be over. Lift your heads up and do not be afraid. And so I thought that was a, a very, very big encouragement from our
2: Lord there. I think we need to stress that point so much because so many movies right now, popular movies mm-hmm. that show the end of time just show absolute chaos and fill the heart with fear and anxiety and, and things are blowing up and things are being destroyed. And that's definitely not, as you point out, that's definitely not the sense of the Scriptures. The Scriptures tell us that, yes, these things, it's going to be pretty bad. But the Scriptures say, stand direct, lift up your head, because your salvation is in hand. It's actually against fear. We're told, stand up. And if you're
1: prepared for the Lord, and if you're prepared for that day, you won't be afraid. You will be able to stand erect and with your head head held high and looking forward to your salvation.
3: Somewhere I just heard, you know, nothing is more certain than death, but nothing is more uncertain than the time of death. You know, we have to be vigilant for our own death. Most of us probably are going to experience our own death prior to the end of the world. So why get worried about the end of the world? We All of us have to be vigilant because we know not the time or the hour. And so as Kathy was saying, you know, we always want to be prepared. We want to live in in a state of uh, preparation to meet the Lord, like the wise virgins with uh, oil in their lamps, ready to meet him at any time. We have to do that at all times. And I think Advent is a good time to reflect on that. And if it's been a while since you've been to confession, get back to the confessional, get on your knees. Get all of that stuff out, and let's get yourself right again
2: with the Lord. Absolutely, and I would say too is if your Bible has been sitting on the shelf and, and there's dust, you know, wipe off the dust. One of the things the Holy Father told us in his Advent homily was read the Word. Mm-hmm. Open up the Bible. God continues to speak to us through the Scriptures. So absolutely, guys, I'd say if you haven't been to confession, go to confession. If you've been away from Mass, come back to Mass. If you have no faith. If some of our listeners out there are, are looking for answers. We want to invite them to Mass. We want them to take this opportunity of Advent to come to Mass. We want to encourage people to, to read the Word of God, to let God speak to them, to start praying. The Holy Father says, if you're not sure how to pray, give the Lord your impatience and just sit with Him, just for a couple minutes. This is a great season of new beginnings. There's just be so much hope that this season should fill us with that the Lord is calling us, each of us, back to himself. Be with me. The Pope speaks of visit. that God has visited us. You only visit friends. You only visit people you enjoy being around. And the Pope tells us, God is visiting us. What are we doing? Absolutely, Gus. I think this is a general call for all of us. I think these first two weeks of Advent, the Lord especially, is calling the whole church, hey, get ready. Be like those wise virgins you know, have that oil ready. Don't be caught unaware. Be confident so that you can stand and know that your salvation is at hand. Kathy, I'm curious, what are your thoughts in regards to the end times? What do you you think is the general sense of most people when they hear the end times?
1: Probably what they see in the movies, and that's the only thing I can imagine, because that's what I've seen displayed. But you know what I've always told my kids is it doesn't matter when it comes. It's going to happen. You just have to be ready. It doesn't matter what it is, if it's floods or fires or or things shooting out of the sky or a bomb. If you're ready, it doesn't matter. It could come tomorrow and it could come 50 years from now. But it's going to happen to each one of us. Just be ready.
3: Father, I remember... Back around 2000, you know, the Millennium scare, and I actually had some friends. They were Catholic, who were hoarding, building up a, a supply because they said, "Well, when things get really bad, there's going to be three days of darkness." And all I said is, "Well, I'm I'm coming over to your house." And they're like, "No, get your own." I said, "Why? You're I'm I'm counting on your charity. You're not <laughs> going to be charitable." But I do think there's a lot of doom and gloom. I did watch a, a recent movie that had a lot of icons of Christianity and Catholicism, you know, being torn down. That is not what it's about. I think it's our Lord's final call to repentance. When you see these things, he's not doing it saying, okay, here I am coming to smash you. No, it's wake up, people. Come on, wake up and arise from your slumber. And look, your salvation is at hand. This is my final appeal to you. And I think we should all look and say, my goodness, this is it. We're bound for heaven now.
1: Well, when Gus was saying that, it brought to mind the thief on the cross who in that last moment his salvation was right there and he he took it by just proclaiming that i'm a sinner i deserve this but you have done nothing wrong and all he had to do was acknowledge his his sinfulness in front of the lord oh. and remember me in your kingdom
2: isn't it amazing it really is that simple we have a god that loves us so much and in each of us kathy gus myself each of us we need to remind ourselves of that and all of our listeners out there need to remind themselves that, that god loves us so profoundly that we only exist, we only have life, because God loves us. And at the end of times, there's, there's certainly nothing to be afraid of. Kathy, you're talking about speaking with your children, and it's true, there's nothing to be afraid of. Because at the end of time, all of those things are going to be happening to the material world, because God is bringing His eternal kingdom to full reality.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And we rejoice with heads held high, because our salvation's at hand. And God loves us. That's the message that, unfortunately, has become so trite to so many people. God loves you, whatever, I don't care. I said, no, look, God loves he you. really loves you. God loves you.
1: So much so that he died for you.
3: Exactly. Father, throughout the season, we, ha- we have an Advent wreath, and it has purple candles, but one of them is rose-colored. Can you explain the significance of that?
2: Well, that actually helps us with the—we're speaking about these two shifts of Advent, and that actually helps us the third candle being rose, kind of marks this exact shift in the Advent season, the first two being on Jesus' second coming, uh, the last two on the remembrance of his historical coming at Bethlehem. And so that third season of Advent, we have rose, because the Advent season, in a sense, lightens up. Rose a color of joy. It's also a sign that the purple has been tempered a bit. And because of this, now we shift to remembering that Jesus has been and is among us, that he was born in Bethlehem. And so that rose color, and I know it's always unique, people say, why is the priest wearing pink? <laughs> <laughs> and we're always people, telling people, it's not pink, okay? <laughs> you know, it's rose, you know, it's rose, because rose was a traditional color. It's the purple tempered, and it's a color of joy, color of festivity, the fact that now we go to Bethlehem. We've been to the end of time. We've looked at the fact that the Lord is coming a second time and the final time. But now we look at the fact that he has come, this historical coming in Bethlehem. And the color purple is is very unique because purple is such a profound color. I tell you, I love the color purple because there's just so much hope and penance that are reflected in that color. The fact that we're not where we need to be The fact that we're not a complete project. The fact that we have to do some ordering in our souls, and God's grace wants to work and do that ordering in us. So we do some penance, we reorder, we reshift some things, refocus, and God's grace is doing that. The fact that we're waiting, and we have this hope in the power of God's grace. We have this hope that, that God will make us what we're supposed to be. And all of that, that whole truth... Is symbolized by the color purple, which is why we wear it in Advent. We wear it at Lent. We wear it traditionally at funerals or at times of remembrance or at All Souls. Purple is one of the options precisely because of this hope and penance that is contained in this color. And it's there all throughout Advent, but on the third Sunday of Advent, purple is tempered. And we get that beautiful color of rose because Advent now shifts from one focus to the other.
3: Father, during Lent, Catholics typically fast, do penance, almsgiving, and focus more on that. I have not noticed so much of an emphasis on that. Of course, uh, Advent is a shorter season than Lent, but can you explain maybe the
2: penitential nature of Advent? Yes, and there are are certainly theologians and and liturgists who come from different angles and, and give different emphasis to different aspects. because. We say that Advent is is really more of a quasi-penitential season. It's not the full, in-depth, penitential season that Lent is. But it is a quasi-penitential, and some focus on the quasi, and others focus on the penitential. Uh, And of course, the reality is in the middle. That we should have a certain sense of penance. The fact that we're preparing for the coming of the Lord Jesus. The fact that we can look at aspects of our lives. We spoke about some of them earlier, reading the Word of God, going to confession, praying, attending Mass regularly, and so many other ways that we can examine our lives and say, how am I preparing for the coming of the Lord in my life? And what can I do? So Advent tends to be this quasi-penitential time to evaluate, where is there a lack of order? Where is there some chaos caused by sin in my life that I need to change? And Advent is the invitation. Change. Let the Lord change you, make you a better person, a better disciple. So that's a kind of a general summary, but I, again, some will focus on parts of, of that and, and offer different suggestions and, and so on. But, but I think that Advent should be this quasi-penitential season in each of our lives.
1: And that should be your gift to the Lord, a gift of a pure soul, a gift of making your interior house ready for Him. I mean, what better gift could you give Him?
2: Kathy, I- the Dominican sisters up in Nashville uh, were visiting prayer parish school that I was at last year, right before the Christmas season, and one of the things the sisters told the children, they said, this Christmas, the gift that we ask you to pray for is that Jesus will be born in your hearts. Now, obviously, that, that's a, a very beautiful way of saying this truth, that we have to prepare our hearts to receive the Lord. You know, Jesus began his public ministry with that heroic call, the kingdom of God is at hand. He's speaking of himself. Mm -hmm. He is the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is at hand. Make straight the ways of the Lord, John the Baptist tells us. Get ready. And exactly, Kathy, I think you are right on the ball. It's like opening up our hearts, all the doors of your heart, especially the ones that we've kept closed for so long. The Lord is calling us to open them up and to let him in. Come, Lord Jesus. Let him in let him be born in our heart.
1: Father, that brought to our mind a tradition that we had in my family when I was growing up. There was six of us children, and part of our, I guess you could say, advent for children, we had to make a gift for Jesus, whether it be in the form of a letter, something that we were going to give to Jesus for Christmas. And our tree always had, these six envelopes sealed on them from each of us kids to Jesus of our gift to him that Christmas. And I remember going through my mother's things um, after she died and seeing that she, they were never opened, but she had saved all those things in a separate box with the Christmas stuff.
3: Father, that brings up a, a good point. You know, what are some Advent traditions or even Advent novenas that you would recommend for people?
2: Certainly one of the blessings of being in universal church is that we have so many particular cultures that have contributed to this massive treasury, really, of Advent customs. Kathy mentions this one, which is, which is very nice as far as, you know, making a letter or a gift to the Lord Jesus. Lighting of the Advent wreath. Light it before you sit for dinner. Light it on Sundays. Let the advent wreath really be a reality in the home. There's also the beautiful custom in Germany and, and Germanic countries of counting down the days until Christmas, and, and each door has you know, a piece of chocolate that the child can eat, and there literally is this countdown to the birth of Christ, and that can be done in multiple ways, whether it's a piece of candy or whether it's you know, something more healthy or whatever, but it's a way for the children and the family, including the adults to be reminded that we're waiting for something. Something great is about to happen. I'll tell you one thing, too, is, is expand the celebration of Christmas, even during the Advent season. Get ready for Christmas. Save a gift for Epiphany. Mm. Let all the kids open up their gifts at Christmas, but save one, just to make the point that the kings are coming. You know, this celebration continues. During the Advent season, there can also be songs that are sung Uh, I mentioned the old antiphons, which are nine beautiful songs, just one-liners, most of them, that are beautiful songs taken from the Word of God that can be sung even in the home or said and prayed. There's also the family rosary. There's also prayer before dinner. I'm amazed at how many Christians, Catholics, do not pray as families even before dinner. That is such a simple, easy way to introduce prayer in the home and something that every family can start during the seventh season. And they could even use the set prayer, bless us, O Lord. Mm -hmm. That's the beginning. So there are so many dozens of ways to observe Advent, whether specific for Advent or just bringing something spiritual, something Christian into the home during Advent could be the best celebration of the Advent season for a Christian family.
3: Father, can you give us an
2: example of what an O antiphon is? The O Antiphon's are ancient, they go back to the medieval church, and they were created by various monasteries. They chant a particular verse, normally taken from the Old Testament or from the Psalms, that announce a title of the Lord Jesus. So, root of Jesse, key of David, and so on. So there's these very beautiful, rich, biblical images of Jesus, which are sung from December 17th until December 24th. So literally, the last days leading up to the celebration of Christmas. And they have, if you line them up according to the Latin text, then there are other messages within the text themselves. So it's kind of like secret messages, you know, that are open to to all humanity. And it's just a creative, artistic way of expressing this reality, especially on the 17th, that we have entered immediate preparation for the celebration of the Lord's presence among us. So these will be chanted and sung. So there are various titles of the Lord Jesus. The English hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is probably the closest example of trying to use the O Antiphons in a popular song or a popular setting. A lot of the verses of the O Come, O Come, Emmanuel are taken right from the O Antiphons. So there's this beautiful way, again, that each home, each family, each community can observe this season of Advent.
3: Lest we get too deep into this, if you want to learn more about these O Antiphon traditions, there is a website out there, www.catholicculture.org, where you can learn more about this. Our tradition in our house is we light the Advent wreath, we sing a, a, a verse from O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and then we say, bless us, O Lord, and then we eat. Of course, the little guys are already probably jumping ahead on the eating. <laughs> but that is, it really brings home the season when you do that.
2: It does, not it's a beautiful hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Yeah, and especially when children sing it. I think you know, most of our Catholic schools at home are preparing for Christmas pageants or various things, and, and to watch children especially singing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, as adults, our heart just uh, leaps because we realize just how much we really need and how much we just all anticipate of the coming of God among us. I'm curious, what are some other customs that maybe? Uh, either Gus, you, or Kathy, or or your neighbors celebrate that you've heard of?
1: Well, of course, there's the tradition of putting out the crutch. In my family, we always, we would set up the crutch, you know, at the beginning of Advent, but when we came home from midnight mass, we would put baby Jesus in. Um, He didn't go in before. So that was always kind of nice to do. But our priest this Sunday was talking about how we can show we are Catholic, not just Christians during this time, but show that we're Catholic. And he was saying, if you don't have a crutch, do get a crutch and put it out. People will know you're Catholic. Various things like that. But wear your faith. Be a a little light shining in the world um, was what he was trying to tell us.
3: One one of the interesting things about the crutch is that I think it was St. Francis who kind of came up with that idea and he used live animals. What a beautiful tradition of the crutch. Yeah. Well, as we uh, come to the end of our show today, just want to ask Kathy. Kathy, what are some of your ideas, your impressions about Christmas? Uh, any thoughts, final thoughts you want to share with us?
1: Well, I do want to go a little bit back to the Pope's message from Advent and something that I want to take from his from his message to us, and it especially pertains to me, I guess, as a woman. He, he was telling us to be like Mary, to learn from Mary. Uh, he said, you know, basically... From the school of Mary, learn from Mary how, how to be a woman of hope, how to be a person of hope, hope in the Lord, hope in his presence, and, and just to be still in his presence. But learn from Mary because she was the perfect example of her hope and faith in her God.
3: Very good, and, and I guess my, my thoughts on it are some of my fondest memories of Christmas. We're in Germany, which is a country that really, really takes Christmas very seriously and and, and just does it right up. So my so I'm, I'm thinking of Germany and, and just the, the beauty of that, and I would just love for us to experience the true depth of this season and really get into it for me one of the central figures believe it or not is john the baptist i you know make straight the ways of the lord and i want to do that in in my heart and i really want to enter into that how about you father before your uh, final blessing give us give us your thoughts on christmas
2: well you know i i also uh, like kathy want to just go back to on um, the holy father's homily in advent and i think that the call really for each of us particularly um as people who are so active is is to relearn what it means to wait and in the midst of that waiting to kind of give our impatience to the Lord, to just attempt to retrieve in each of our lives that spirit of prayer. And I think that if we do that, the work that God will be able to do in our lives, the work that he's always wanted to do in our lives, will be radical. And that is the best preparation, the best gift that we can give to the Lord during this Advent season. And so I'd like to close our session today with some prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for... The tremendous gift that you are to us and for the many things that you do in our lives and in the lives of your church, we ask you to pour out your grace upon each of us to help us during this Advent season to take advantage of the many opportunities of blessings and grace that you give us. We ask you to fill our hearts with great hope, joy in you, and we ask you to help us to prepare well for your coming. We ask this to Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also, and also
1: with, you. with
0: you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Go in peace.
1: Thank you, Father.
0: You've been listening to Pathways to Rome, starring Father Jeffrey Kirby, along with Kathy Kerfoot and Gus Killo. Pathways to Rome is a Mediatrix Radio production and can be heard weekly at this time. For more information about this show, or if you would like to listen to previous broadcasts, visit our website www.catholicradionsc.com That's catholicradioinsc.com. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Pathways to Rome was made possible by donations from Dr. Larry and Iris Minetti, Jim and Jan Carino, Donald and Marilyn Reichert, an anonymous sponsor of Catholic Radio, and contributions from Mediatrix Radio listeners. To learn more about Pathways to Rome or to listen to this or other episodes, Mediatrix Radio's website is www.catholicradionsc.com. The Catholic Shop, a proud sponsor of Catholic Radio, has baptismal, communion, confirmation, and wedding gifts and offers books on apologetics, spirituality, theology, and church history to assist adults and children in their faith formation. They also provide sacred vessels, vestments, and Italian hand-carved statuary to parishes. For more information about this family-owned business, located at 180 North Dean Street, Suite 103 in downtown Spartanburg, John or Judy can be reached at 864-585-2667.
4: Perpetual Novena in honor of Our Lady of Guadalupe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Come O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, kindle us in the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created. And And you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in His consolation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Mary, conceived without sin,
5: pray pray for us who have recourse recourse to you.
4: The Memorare Remember, Remember, O most compassionate Virgin Mary, that never was it known
5: that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your assistance, or sought your intercession was left unaided.
4: Inspired with this confidence, We fly unto you, O Virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we kneel, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer them. Amen. Prayer to Our Lady of Guadalupe. O Virgin Immaculate, Mother of the true God, and Mother of the Church, you who manifest such kindness and compassion, To all who seek your protection, hear the prayer that we pour out to you with childlike confidence. Present it to your son, Jesus, our sole redeemer, mother of mercy, who have taught us hidden and silent sacrifice, and who come to meet us, sinners that we are. On this day, we consecrate to you our entire being and love, our life, our labor, our joys, illnesses, and pain, We wish to be yours totally and to walk with you in the way of complete fidelity to Jesus Christ and his church. Do not release us from your loving hand. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mother of the Americas, pray for us. Amen.
0: Polydeck Screen Corporation, a proud sponsor of Catholic Radio, was founded in Spartanburg in 1978 to manufacture and market modular synthetic screen media in North America. Serving the gold, copper, phosphate, and aggregate industries, Polydeck strives to honor God in all they do. Their phone number is 864-579-4594. They're also on the web at www.polydexscreen.com.
4: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary,
5: And she conceived of the Holy Spirit.
4: Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
5: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
4: Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word.
5: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
4: Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that That we may be made worthy of the promises of of Christ. Let us pray.
5: Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known
4: by the message of an angel, made by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen.
2: Hello, I'm Father Jeff Kirby. Thank you for listening to WCKI 1300 AM Greer and to WQIC 810 AM St. George, Charleston.